At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. A couple of months ago, I went to the movies. But I am so worried about the lady who got caught on fire. The movie I saw was called Climax from the French-Argentine filmmaker Gaspar Noé. I know it sounds like a porno, but it's not. Trust me. Oh, no. (gasps) It was the single worst movie-going experience of my life. When the film ended and the lights came up, my movie buddy Sandy Patel and I just looked at each other totally gobsmacked. Is everyone all right? We're all okay? Are we okay? We all intact? Okay, so that's 1275. I'll never get back. But my movie buddy Sandy paid practically nothing to see the movie. This is why Movie Pass exists for shitty movies like that. <laughs> movie Pass. That's how Sandy paid for her ticket. It's a subscription service where you pay a low monthly fee. Then you get a special credit card you can use to buy movie tickets. When Sandy joined, the monthly fee was super cheap. I got it through Costco, so (laughs) it was an annual membership for essentially $8 a month, and then I paid for the whole year, so it was $110. Now, okay, I don't want to make assumptions, but you look like you're, like, maybe just starting off in a career. You're not, like, money bags, (laughs) and so this was probably, like, a really solid deal for you. Yeah, of course. And I never really go to movies just because it's always been expensive. The average cost of a movie ticket in the U.S. is $9.11. In Washington, D.C., where Sandy lives, that average jumps to $12.34. But with MoviePass, Sandy pays less than $10 a month to see unlimited movies in the theater. So even if she just saw one movie a month with her MoviePass subscription, she'd still be getting a screaming deal. Now, are you saying to yourself, Lauren, how can that be? That seems too good to be true. Well, if you are, then high fives to you. It kind of is too good to be true. MoviePass set out to be the Netflix of moviegoing, offering unlimited movie tickets for a bargain basement price of $9.95 a month. But unlike Netflix, MoviePass has been plagued with seemingly endless problems. New York Attorney General uh, Barbara Underwood has opened an investigation into MoviePass for possibly misleading investors about its financials. The subscription movie ticket company has stumbled in recent months, repeatedly adjusting those ticket plans. It has taken out hefty loans to cover massive losses. The stock of parent company uh, Helios and Matheson has lost practically all of its value. MoviePass isn't a complete failure. It does still exist. But it's a cautionary tale of what can happen when disruptors take on an industry famously resistant to change without an ironclad business plan. I'm Lauren Ober, and from American Public Media and the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota, this is Spectacular Failures, the show where we ask failure on a date, even though we're kind of scared it'll say no. As a kid growing up in Houston, Stacy Spikes was totally captivated by the movies. He loved blockbusters like Star Wars and Blade Runner. And for as long as he can remember, he wanted to work in the business that brought those stories to life. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I had to be involved with that. I mean, it's you know, just seeing those worlds that were created on the screen, there was nothing like that. 
So Spikes found his way into the biz and eventually worked his way up to studio exec, one of the very few who was a person of color. It didn't take long for him to get frustrated with how white everything was and how hard it was to change that, even when so many people of color go to the movies. In the mid-1990s, Spike shared his concern with the head of a major American film festival. He diplomatically chose not to reveal the name to me, but it's Sundance. I can confirm. He said, we get thousands of submissions every year, and we can't just show something because it's a a person of color. It's got to have quality. And he gave me this big speech. Uh Uh-oh. That really made me upset. And so I pledged myself that I would create a film festival that would help people of color and women and minorities. So Urban World was born out of a resentment. I thought, how dare this person think that his point of view speaks for the world of all the people of color. In 1997, Spikes created the Urban World Film Festival, which is now the largest Black and Latinx film festival in the world. It has incubated big-name directors like Malcolm D. Lee of Girls Trip and two-time Oscar nominee Ava DuVernay. The film festival also served as inspiration for Spikes' next project, Movie Pass. The thing you need to know about Stacey Spikes is that he is a true believer in the power of cinema. Movies build community and break down barriers. They uplift, redeem, and inspire. They reflect who we are and who we'd like to be. But in order for movies to transform us, we have to see them. And Urban World only happened once a year. We had all of these people who would come to the festival. We were going to get them to be subscribers. And we were going to premiere a movie a month that they, in a sense, all paid for. And that way, each of those movies chosen from the festival would have a release. This is generally not how going to the movies works. Normally, you pay for a ticket, you pick a seat, you watch a film, you drink a soda large enough to go swimming in, and then you go home. As a moviegoer, the basics haven't changed that much. But over the years, that dunk tank of soda has become ever more important. It's how theaters make ends meet. Most of the ticket money goes back to the studios. But that sweet, sweet concession money is almost all profit. So make sure you buy that $8 box of ginger mints, y'all. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. A subscription service could be good for everybody. If more people buy tickets, that's good for the studios. And more people in the theater means more jumbo tubs of popcorn sold at the concession stand, and that's good for the cinema. Spikes wasn't the first person to envision a subscription system for the movies. Sir Richard Branson tested out the idea at his now-defunct Virgin Cinemas. And AMC, the largest movie exhibition company in the U.S., also tried a subscription system. But both endeavors were hampered by one major issue, technology. When all this was happening in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was no user-friendly mechanism for handling the ticketing. But Spike's time to move just right. With the rise of apps and smartphones, his subscription idea began to take shape. Spikes wasn't imagining a movie-going revolution. He was just trying to get more people to see movies from his film festival. He remembers talking to his friend Travis Reed, former CEO of Lowe's Theaters. And Travis said, well, why wouldn't you use something like this for all movies? And that literally that question evolved into today's movie pass. Spikes and his business partner, Hemi Watt, rolled out the first iteration of Movie Pass in 2011. 
But movie theaters were reluctant to sign on. What was the reception um, when, you know, when your app rolled out? I mean, how did they react to you? Uh, If you can record the sound of crickets, that will be, you know, but it was... uh, In fact, you can record the sound of crickets. Somebody did it, and my producer put it in this podcast. So MoviePass didn't exactly drop with enthusiastic jazz hands. The day after they launched, a major theater chain pitched a fit about the new service, and it ground their momentum to a halt. We were born on a Thursday and died on a Friday. And um, for a few weeks, I just was at wit's end. It had taken five or six years to get to that point and to imagine your company dies in a day. But Spikes believed in his idea. And when they finally worked the bugs out and relaunched in 2012, people dug it. Subscriptions hovered around $50 a month, so it was more for diehards than casual moviegoers. But those people used it a lot. It increased moviegoing by 100%, and nothing in the industry I'm aware of increased moviegoing on a per-person basis by 100%. Spike sees that early period as a success, but the problem with early success is that you have to keep growing, and in order to grow, you need money. In 2017, a data analytics company run by a colorful South Florida businessman bought a majority stake in MoviePass, and that meant the founders, Spikes and Watt, were out. A new guy was at the helm, and that's when MoviePass became a household name. But, like, not a really great one. I kind of watched on the sidelines like everybody else watched. Um, and, And even though it was something you founded and you began... Um, you, you can run into that world where you're no longer controlling that destiny of that company. We're going to take a quick break. Up next, MoviePass tries to become the Netflix of moviegoing, but things don't quite go as planned. But don't blame Chloe, MoviePass's adorable director of marketing. Get it? She's a dog. Barketing. Woof! Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. 
I'm Rima Kreis, host of Marketplace's This is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Kreis, host of Marketplace's This is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Spectacular Failures. I'm Lauren Ober. Ted Farnsworth might be what you'd call a serial entrepreneur. Over the years, he's had a hand in creating more than 50 different enterprises, including an energy drink company, a digital crime mapping platform, and a telephone psychic hotline featuring Miss LaToya Jackson. I've, I've never really actually gone to a psychic. I normally do it over the phone. Right. I call them over the phone simply because you don't want them to know who you are. And I use another name. Uh, but of course the person on the line knew LaToya was using a fake name. They were psychic. Anyway, Farnsworth is the CEO of Helios and Matheson Analytics, the data company that bought MoviePass in 2017. He's an audacious character who's had his share of business hiccups. The Miami Herald reported that Farnsworth had liens put on his assets almost a dozen times for failing to pay his taxes in a timely fashion. Plus, he and his companies have been sued on multiple occasions, and he filed for personal bankruptcy in the 90s. Farnsworth lives in Miami, where he enjoys a little fun in the sun. When we talked to him at his home, he told me he was already wearing his boating gear. It's Friday in Miami. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's true. What uh, what type of boat are we talking about? Uh, yacht. <laughs> that's a 60-footer, see, right? And that yacht is appropriately called Daydreamer. Because I'm, I'm a total daydreamer. you got to be daydreaming. Which may have been what he was doing when he acquired a majority stake in MoviePass in 2017. At the time, the movie theater subscription service had about 20,000 subscribers. And while prices had dropped to $34 a month, the subscriptions still weren't cheap enough for the average moviegoer. And what I decided to do was take it to $9.95 to where when, you know, you could go to however movies you wanted to go to a month and you could go to the local movie theater. It was to get more people into the movie theater And uh, it took off. In just two days of offering the new pricing scheme, 150,000 people signed up for the service. That's how many subscribers the company expected to net in the first year. So that's a lot. Our systems crashed. I mean, um, you know, we couldn't handle the volume. And then you were constantly playing catch up. And, you know, and it just didn't slow down. It wouldn't slow down. By December of 2017, four months after MoviePass rolled out its new pricing scheme, the service had a million subscribers. By all accounts, it was a success. It was disrupting the industry. But then things started getting glitchy. By summer 2018, three million people had subscribed to the service. But there was a delay printing the special MoviePass credit cards and lots of new subscribers complained. 
Also, the number of theaters where people could use MoviePass began to fluctuate, and the available movies seemed limited. All of a sudden, that screaming deal didn't seem quite so screaming. That's about the time that CNN business reporter Jill Deesis started reporting the story. She covers the business of media and entertainment, and she remembers being on an earnings call with the CEO of AMC Theaters. And he was saying that in, I think, March and April of that year, um, MoviePass paid AMC $12.02 per ticket on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tickets. And he was doing, you know, a bit of calculation and saying, listen, uh, if they're paying us that much for these movie tickets, I don't see how this business can be sustainable at $10 a month. Now, if you're playing along at home and confused about the economics of this $9.95 a month deal, I feel you. On his face, it doesn't make a ton of sense. In a 2018 interview with Planet Money's podcast, The Indicator, MoviePass CEO Mitch Lowe said the company was paying out big cash, even though the average MoviePass user only sees 1.7 movies a month. But even if at 1.7 average, I mean, you're still losing like $21 million a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, a month. $21 million a month. Now, a lot of startups operate at a loss for a while. Rideshare services Uber and Lyft lose money on every single ride. Netflix, Spotify, and Snapchat also leak cash. And it took years for tech titans Facebook and Google to make any money. But MoviePass wasn't capitalized for the kinds of losses they were incurring. Remember, they were only expecting to pick up 150,000 users in a year after dropping their prices. Instead, they reached that in two days. They were just having to pay out for too many people. See, MoviePass was banking on something called breakage. In business, that's where you count on a certain number of people paying for your service but not using it. That's why gift cards are big business for, say, restaurants. People buy them, but they never get used. We don't mind if it's $11 and we're charging $9.95 a month because chances are you might not go to a movie every month. And then there's breakage in the other ones that just don't go. So that offsets the ones that go to a movie a month or two movies a month or three movies a month. If they were paying out more than $20 million a month, far more people were actually using the service than they expected. But according to Farnsworth, not all those people were using MoviePass on the up and up. Our biggest problem was not that it was $9.95. Our biggest problem was the amount of people that, you know, would sit there and try to figure out how to scalp tickets, how to sell tickets, how to defraud the system, share their codes. The technology couldn't grow fast enough to plug the holes for people, you know, doing fraud or or abusing the system. Farnsworth says about 20% of users were defrauding the system, though there's no way to verify that. But apparently, people do scout movie tickets, which is a bad look, and they should stop right now. So to recap, MoviePass wasn't counting on the volume of subscribers or how often they used it, and they weren't prepared for people doing the quote-unquote fraud. As MoviePass's fortunes continued to spiral, they started looking for revenue elsewhere. Here's MoviePass CEO Mitch Lowe again from an interview with Vice News. You know, the reason we're able to offer you an extraordinary low price is because we're going to monetize uh, the data to sell you things. Ah, the old monetize user data idea. Unfortunately, that rarely pans out. And when it does, it's only because there's a critical mass of data to sell. Plus, after some pretty high-profile gaffes, hello Facebook, data mining wasn't such a good scene. So MoviePass walked back some of those comments and searched for other ways to stay afloat. 
They tried to work a deal with big theater chains to get discounted tickets and a cut of concession revenue. But those theaters were like, uh, yeah, MoviePass, take a hike. MoviePass executives suggested that much of this unpleasantness would go away and the economics would work if they just hit a magical membership number. CNN business reporter Jill Adesis was dubious. They wanted to reach this number, this 5 million uh, subscriber number by the end of 2018 that they were saying was going to be sort of their break-even number. I, I was never totally clear what exactly that meant or how it was that they were going to be able to reach that number of people. Sure, there might be a magical membership number, but could that number help MoviePass go from bleeding money to making money or at least slow the gushing? That answer wasn't exactly clear. But while the company's execs puzzled over that question, things went from bad to worse. In July 2018, the company experienced a massive service interruption. The blockbuster Mission Impossible Fallout opened that weekend, but subscribers couldn't use MoviePass to see it. The company's accounts were frozen, and it needed an emergency $5 million loan to meet its financial obligations. News outlets reported that the company had run out of money. Farnsworth doesn't agree with this characterization. No, we never ran out of cash, um, you know, counter to what the press would tell you. I mean, there was times when it was tight, but it was never running out of cash or, or missing anything like that. In a regulatory filing with the SEC that month, parent company Helios and Matheson admitted to borrowing the $5 million to pay vendors. In the months that followed the service interruption, MoviePass smacked straight into every hurdle in front of them. Not only did their stock sink, but they also tinkered with their product. They changed the pricing, limited the film offerings, and restricted the number of movies people could see in a month, among other changes. Members revolted and naturally took to social media to vent. As y'all all know, or maybe you have don't know, but MoviePass has been tripping lately. That's Tanisha Davis. She's a YouTuber and MoviePass member from Chantilly, Virginia. Real quick, MoviePass went through a million and 39 changes all in the span of 30 days. For real. In November 2018, things got real bad for MoviePass. One could say business had gone to the dogs. Quick update on MoviePass. They're insane. And on That's Roth Cornett, editor-in-chief of Screen Junkies News. He sent an email with a picture of a puppy um, to their subscriber base and said, oh. Woof, I'm Chloe, the director of marketing at MoviePass. I'd like to explain why from time to time you have made out of a, quote, rough experience with us. But it turns out that I am a dog and I can't talk. What I do know <laughs> is that I see these humans working like crazy to make MoviePass better and better for you. We're listening. We're learning. We're changing. Woof, woof. What are what you is doing? Happening? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, the director of marketing didn't stop people from leaving MoviePass. Remember our pal Sandy Patel from the top of the story? The one I went to see an objectively terrible movie with? She sent me a text message a couple of weeks after we met up. It read, I just wanted to let you know that I officially quit MoviePass! Exclamation point. And Sandy is in good company. Business Insider has reported that in just one year, MoviePass lost more than 90% of its users. So can we call MoviePass a failure? I mean, in addition to losing most of its subscribers, the company is currently being investigated for securities fraud by the New York State Attorney General's office. 
And earlier this year, its parent company was delisted from NASDAQ because its stock was trading for less than a price of a gumball. So is all that grounds for the F word? Obviously, that's not how Ted Farnsworth would portray the company. I look at MoviePass as a huge success, but obviously we had failures along the way. Startup land is a strange place. What counts as failure there is different than in traditional companyville. And there just doesn't seem to be the same stigma around failure. Writer Antonio Garcia Martinez has thought a lot about this, and he's come to a conclusion. In my experience, nobody knows anything. <laughs> Everyone's kind of winging it. Particularly, and I think that's even more true in tech, in which really people are making it up as they go along. Garcia Martinez is the author of Chaos Monkeys, Obscene Fortune and Random Failure in Silicon Valley. He was a tech entrepreneur before moving to Facebook, where he helped develop the company's advertising technology. In his circles, failure was celebrated. He remembers at Facebook, there was a bunch of inspirational posters all around campus. One of them read, Fail Harder. It was right next to the kitten poster that read, Hang in there. Just kidding. There's no kitten poster. Like, nobody ever got rich by failing, right? So what is driving this culture of failure? Most venture capitalists have this bizarre economics where they raise a fund, some pot of money, usually hundreds of millions, if not larger. They place a series of bets with it. And what they're aiming for is like at least a 10x return, which means, well, one in 10 companies can fail. If one guy does kind of okay, I don't care. What I can't do is miss the next Google, right? And so it's these weird skewed economics in which everything is like go big or go home. So VC expects monster and often unattainable returns on investments. And with those kind of stakes, you can kind of understand that tech sector brashness. Plus, it's just money, right? I mean, Facebook might take a, a lot of guff for like a privacy violation, but let's face it, nobody died, right? Garcia Martinez says there's another reason why there's such a high tolerance for risk and failure in tech. It's because of the belief that what they're making could change the world. Now, that might seem like grandiose tech pablum until you realize it's true. Google, Facebook, Uber, Airbnb, Spotify, every single one of these has disrupted our way of life. Even MoviePass, limping along, oozing money, leaving frustrated customers in its wake, has made an indelible mark on moviegoing in America. Both Spikes and Farnsworth agree on that. People love the concept. It really has changed the relationship with moviegoing. And that's a fact. That's, that's in the numbers. That's in the data. Nobody did subscription in the theater business. Now you've got... AMC's doing it. You've got Cinemark that's doing it. You've got some other independents that are doing it. So even from the consumer standpoint, MoviePass has definitely changed the way people go to the movies forever. For Farnsworth, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And there's no greater compliment than all these other theater chains offering subscription services of their own. Granted, that's direct competition for a struggling MoviePass. But there are still people who see MoviePass as the best deal going. One of those is my friend, Naji Kamal. He's a loyal MoviePass member. So how'd you hear about it? Uh, word of mouth, all the news about how it's an unsustainable business uh, really caught my, <laughs> caught my attention. It's obvious that, you know, someone's losing money on this. And I thought, it's not going to be me. So <laughs> I might as well sign up. <laughs> Naji hasn't broken up with MoviePass yet. He uses it three or four times a month, including on this day when we went to see the Dick Cheney biopic Vice. He says for $10 a month, it's the perfect investment. I don't know if I'm lucky or what, but it's working for me. I'm saving a lot of money. 
Um, I'm seeing great movies. I really don't see what all the fuss is about. I haven't had any problems. So basically, Najee is a movie pass evangelist because the service continues to work for him. No big fails when he goes to the box office. Now, MoviePass just needs a few more Najis to make the case. Because even if MoviePass dials in its business plan, it still needs to recover from its PR fiasco. Helios and Matheson CEO Ted Farnsworth has an idea of how to do both. MoviePass films. See, MoviePass isn't just a movie ticket subscription service anymore. They've branched out into film producing. In 2018, the company dropped Gotti, starring John Travolta. You fight till you can't fight no more. Never back off, ever. FYI, it got a 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. One reviewer wrote, I'd rather wake up next to a severed horse head than ever watch Gotti again. Yeesh. Farnsworth explains that Gotti was just the beginning in terms of creating the synergy between the film-producing side and the subscription side. Yeah, I said synergy. So sue me. Plus, with the new production side of MoviePass, they have big plans to coax back subscribers. It was always important for us at MoviePass to be able to bring the MoviePass fans into Hollywood. So we'll bring them to the red carpet. We'll bring them to walk the red carpet. You know, now we're coming out with a new program where we're going to allow people to actually be in the movies, have a speaking part in our movies, you know, as different contests for our subscribers to make it more of the whole ecosystem. Wait, wait. So so I I could be a MoviePass subscriber and participate in some type of uh, contest and I could end up in a movie. Correct. All right, Mr. MoviePass, I'm ready for my close-up, she says in her best Norma Desmond voice. MoviePass founder Stacy Spikes hasn't been involved in the company since 2017, but he's not out of the movie game. Recently, he launched a new app called Pre-Show, where users watch bespoke commercials in order to earn free movie tickets. Maybe the guy who brought this subscription idea to movie theaters will shake up the industry again. Because there's nothing more disruptive than free. Spectacular Failures is a production of American Public Media and the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. It's hosted and produced by me, staggering blunder, Lauren Ober. Breathtaking achievement, Whitney Jones is the show's producer. Our editor is soon-to-be Oscar winner Phyllis Fletcher. Our theme music is by the delightful David Schulman. Other original music in the show comes from Jeremy Castillo and Jeremy Ray. Lauren D. is the interim director of podcasts at APM. Our other stellar APM buds include Alyssa Dudley, Tracy Mumford, and Christina Lopez. Big love to the Marketplace DC Bureau, especially Betsy Streisand. And to Sandy Patel, who had to witness me being the world's biggest baby at the movies. Thank you for letting me clutch your arm in fear. No, don't go back in there. Oh. Before we sign off, some totally free biz whiz from our buds at the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. Today, a nugget of business gold from Kathleen Voss, the distinguished McKnight University professor and Lando Lakes chair in marketing. 
My research has shown that when people make decisions, no matter how inconsequential, that it impairs their ability to make good decisions later. So I try to encourage businesses not to have staff meetings right away in the morning because in the morning, ideally, you're using that limited capacity to work on the things that are the most important. Hey, friends, Lauren here. Did you know that Spectacular Failures has a newsletter? Get out. No, we do. Each week, we'll send out behind-the-scenes extras from episodes, weekly team recommendations for things we love, a sneak preview of upcoming episodes, and other fun stuff. You can sign up now at spectacularfailures.org newsletter.